they let go of ex an external prison, but replace it with a different kind of prison, a prison within ourselves, self-absorption. That's really what defines us. We're not defined by our weaknesses. We're not defined by our failures or our successes for that matter. We're defined by our connection to God and the ability to be selfless and seek meaning and purpose. You are listening to The JP Show, where we discuss the issues you care about from a Jewish perspective. I am Rabbi G. I am Rabbi Levy. And we hope you enjoy this episode. I'm Rabbi G, and uh, here are a couple of opening remarks. So we've been talking about narcissism, and I've been reading the works of Keith Campbell and Jean Twenge, who are two researchers who have been looking into the last number of decades, looking into the whole trend and emergence and sometimes alarming trend of increased narcissism or narcissistic behavior. And I read a part of their, their work where they track... Um, since the 60s, sort of, of where things changed and what happened, particularly in America and so on. And they talk about the 60s, those who remember the 60s, I actually don't quite remember the 60s, but I was born in the 60s. But the 60s was a time of hippies, of, of sometimes even drug abuse, sometimes um, sort of alternative experiences, spiritual experiences. And they say that people would like to sort of suggest that the 1960s when sort of self-centeredness and narcissistic behavior began, and they argue with that, and they say actually it didn't. Because what did take place in that time was people actually did a lot of good things, the, some of the, the good civil rights movements and helping other people actually emerged during that time, and it was a time of self-actualization, and the way they translate self-actualization, there was a movement that people need to look at their own potential and actually make sure that they are realizing their, their potential and working hard. So in fact, there was a call to work hard. And what's interesting is that they talk about that it was also a time of self-exploration where people would sometimes, you know, retreat, look into themselves, try to find themselves, which for some and perhaps many that became a bit self-absorbing, but for many actually that, that actually meant people looking deep into themselves, seeing how they can become a better person and actually emerging to reconnect with the community and do really, really good things. So where did it go wrong? So they wanted to say that, they wanted to suggest that it's the 1970s. And without going into it in great detail, they have an amazing line. They say what happened in the 1970s is that self-exploration actually turned to self-expression. Self-expression is very different. Self-expression doesn't actually require any work. It's just about expressing your, yourself. And that was the kind of the first move where people sort of, instead of engaging in real self-exploration and real introspection and, and improving and going beyond themselves and really trying to work hard to achieve a higher cause, they actually just started to express themselves. And express themselves means just expressing myself the way I am, which of course t today has exploded disproportionately in a whole new form in, in a celebrity culture and social media and so on. So when I was reading this, I thought of an idea that I just want to share with you briefly, and then we're going to have a talk about it, a discussion. And it's a, it's a Jewish law that comes from the Pesach Seder, and I'm going to try and make this clear and brief. So we know that on the first night of Pesach, we drink, and by the Seder, the second night, we drink four cups of wine. The four cups of wine correspond 
to four expressions of redemption. When the Jews were in Egypt, God said, I will take you out, I will save you, I will redeem you, and then I will take you as a nation. So the first three is about what he's going to redeem us from, save us from, and the second is what we're going to become. And there's a very interesting Jewish law that says the following, that if you want to interrupt between the first and second cup with some extra wine, if you game for that, then it's okay. The custom is kind of not to, but it's okay. Between the second and the third, during the Yontav meal, as they say, you can do that, no problem. You can say another lachaim if you're interested in more wine. However, the halacha, the Jewish law says very clearly, between the third and the fourth, you may not interrupt. The third cup must roll into the fourth cup without interruption. And there's a very deep insight of why that is. Because let's go back to this idea. The first three, the first three cups is about letting go of Egypt, which means letting go of our self-imprisonment, letting go of the oppressors, letting go of those people and those feelings and those emotions that are toxic and negative that are holding us back from growth. In other words, letting go of the things, external things that, that are imprisoning us. So we hate other people. So we let go of that hate. We are jealous of other people. We let go of that jealousy. We're angry with other people. We let go of that anger. Or, or much more in a spiritual way, whatever the, whatever the oppression is. But then often what happens is people let go of things, toxic things. It's a good letting go. And then what? Then they create a vacuum. What they've let go. I've let go of my toxicity. But what am I going to do now? If you create a vacuum, something else negative replaces the toxicity. And just becomes more negative. So therefore, the halakha says no. Between the third and the fourth, you must not interrupt. Because as we are successfully letting go, we need to then become something else. And that was the fourth expression. Where God said, you'll become my nation. We will give ourselves over. Submit to a higher calling. To a higher purpose. And become God's people. So what I thought of was the following idea. Using this concept. There's a great danger... And I think this is what happened in the 70s. And this is what's still happening. Where people work on self-help. And what that often means is they let go of stuff. They let go of resentment. They let go of the external things that imprison them. But often what happens is they let go of ex an external prison but replace it with a different kind of prison. A prison within ourselves. Self-absorption. In other words, and which then evolves into narcissism. I might let go of you, I might not be angry with you anymore, but I might still be very stuck in myself. Because the purpose and the journey of self-improvement is to connect to something outside of ourselves. And if I'm not prepared to do that, I'm not prepared to submit to something higher. Just being free is not a value. In Judaism particularly, freedom to do what you want is not actually a value. We have the, free to ch we have the freedom to choose not to be imprisoned to someone else or something else, but rather to be subservient to a higher being, to God, and to a higher purpose and higher values. So when they say that self-exploration just became self-expression, I think that's why that happens. When you, you get rid of the things that are holding you back, but you just retreat into your own self-prison. And when a person is in their own self-prison, that becomes grossly self-absorbed and can lead and it did lead to a lot of narcissistic type of behavior. That's my thoughts. Okay, Rabbi Levy, how are you feeling this week? Doing good. It looks like you're getting over your cold, which is great. A little bit, still there a little bit, but we're getting there. Maybe if, uh, maybe I could take a holiday, but things are so busy around here. That, There's no uh, holidays around here. 
um, yeah, we are crazy busy, which is good. Great. And uh, as we speak about a lot, people have to have meaning in their life. So uh, this is our meaning. That's it. Um, so this is a very interesting thing, which you mentioned that being free in, in a vacuum is not good. Um, so I'll just, I'll, I just Googled this because I knew this existed, but I just wanted to get the words right. So apparently John Adams, one of the um, founding fathers of the United States, he, he wrote or said, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate, it is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. It's a quote from John Adams, which the constitution of America obviously emphasizes freedom and liberty, and they're very into that over there. Um, uh, but he, he wrote that freedom alone it, it actually doesn't work. It only works for religious people. Um, I, think, I think, you know, he's correct. I think what he wrote there comes from uh, Torah, like everything. L l like everything good, you can trace its origins in, uh, in Jewish thinking, in no, Torah thinking. It's definitely in line with Jewish thinking. And what's interesting is that um, the origins of the American Constitution, the American life and establishment, was very value-based. Very value-based, yeah. I mean, Judah, they talk about Judah, Christian values, or whatever, but it was very... Yeah, putting aside that, two values putting together is... Uh, yeah, that's problematic, but, that's, but... It's for a different time and a different... Uh, yeah, it's different not quite share. a combination, but I'm just saying yeah. the idea of having values. Yeah, correct, yeah. Um, and, and I guess this concept of freedom in a vacuum is not good, because there is no such thing as freedom in a vacuum, because we're, we're human beings, we're not computers, right? So we need to be controlled and our decisions need to be decided by someone by something by someone someone or something some yeah drives us to do things so it could either be as you said it could either be someone else an oppressor a pharaoh right uh, or an emotional professor right? a, a oppressor correct uh, someone who's abusing you whatever it is um it can either be yourself your ego or it could be god right someone needs to control you and i think the difference is besides for following God is following the truth, but putting that aside, um, having someone else control you or having your own ego control you means that you're really imprisoned because you're dealing with finite beings. So you're trapped in a finite, limited existence. Following God and letting God decide and dictate how you should live your life is entering into, wor in, into the world of infinity, and that's true freedom. It's the only way to have true freedom. So the freedom, yes, I, yeah, I like that. So the freedom then is the choice to let that happen. Correct. It's to choose the one type of submission almost. And, that's, and that's that submission, sounds like a harsh word, but... Right, and, that's, and that submission is freedom. It's not only a freedom to choose that submission, the submission himself is freedom from yourself. It's freeing yourself freedom from, from yourself. And only from yourself, because you say, well, if I follow a government, I'm also freeing myself from myself. But the difference is that at the end of the day, they're also human beings. Right. So when you follow God, you're freeing yourself from human Limitations. Limitations, exactly. Right. That's very and obviously following God includes following the Torah, which is God's wisdom, and following our sages and Jewish sort of righteous people who are given over to God and they deliver God's message. So that, that, that wouldn't be, you know, you're, you're not submitting to a human being there, you're submitting to the message, to the, the godliness which they're conveying. That's very good. Can I just enhance that a little bit for something? I think. Sure. So I think what happens is, right, um, we know this to be true Kabbalistically, and I'm putting it in a bit of a simplified way because it's, it's more complicated than this, but, you know, we have our conscious and our subconscious, right? And in our conscious is how we operate, how we think, how we do, how we act, how we behave. And then we have things happening, things living in our subconscious. And they're kind of two things that, 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 that live there. One is our ego, which can drive our consciousness, but then it drives our consciousness in a very selfish and uh, self-centered way. 
to be very self-absorbed and do only things that are cause us immediate pleasure and self-preservation. Uh, but then deeper than our ego, also in the subconscious, but much deeper in our is is the soul, right? The soul which actually inspires, which is godly and has that godly spark, which inspires, um, which inspires meaning, inspires purpose, and inspires godly connection. So I guess that's part of our choice, right? Do we let our ego control us, in which we, in which case we become very self-absorbed and animalistic, actually, or do we decide to no to let the godliness in our soul, which is essentially a godly connection, inspire our lives and, and drive us to something much, much higher. That's right. So we're talking about narcissism. That's the, that's the topic of the past few weeks. And seemingly, I want, I want to get at something a little bit nuanced and very interesting, something that's, that, that interests me a lot. Um, seemingly, the antidote or the opposite of narcissism is kindness, someone who's kind right, to other people. So let me put this in the context of relationships, but the truth is it's true in every context. Let's say someone's looking for a, for a spouse, let's say, or a friend or whatever it is, right? And you see someone that's very kind. Let me give you an example of what I mean by kind. Like someone who, um, you know, whatever there's like a, a take them a meal uh, list, right? So, you know, sometimes they have, you know, someone has a baby, they can't make dinner, so they make these like lists of people sign up to make dinner. Very beautiful thing. And this is a person which is always the first to sign up. They're like, they'll always be there to make dinner for another person. Or uh, they'll always uh, run 25K to raise money for, for any charity, right? You know, people do a lot of sort of kind, I'm not saying those two things are the same, it could be the difference, but is that someone who's definitely not a narcissist, someone who's not self-centered, is kindness the, the sign that someone is not self-centered? <laughs> That's such an amazing question. I, I, so let me make a very important disclaimer, right? Giving is always good, okay? When you when you kind if of it's giving you a good thing, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm saying when you yeah. you know when you help someone out, you, you raise money, charity, you, yeah. or you yeah. or you um, raise awareness for for I don't know for kids in Africa who are disadvantaged. It's always a good thing, right? Right. But it doesn't mean it's always coming from a good place. Um, I when I was looking for. Um, Involved in the in the in the period when my children were getting married. I mean, I still have one to, to marry off, but right, you know, someone says, you know, that that would be a great spouse because that person is so kind. They do so many amazing things. To me, it doesn't mean they're going to be a good spouse at all. Well, yeah. I, it could be they will. Yeah. Because kindness is kindness, and kindness is always a good thing. But kindness doesn't always come from a good place. Uh, I just said this the other day at my Thursday morning uh, class. Um. There are, and I'm not saying all of them, but there are celebrities who do a lot of kind things and are not very nice people. Um, they're not very nice people, you can tell, because they go through multiple relationships that break down every so often. Yeah. And they don't seem to be able to be very successful in their own personal relationship skills, which is maybe not their fault, maybe it is their fault, whatever the case is, but yeah. it, 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 it seems to be a trend there, yeah. Yeah, there's some, there's some trend. I mean, they always seem to have very dysfunctional relationship lives yeah. for some reason. And I'm not, I'm not generalizing, but it's, it's quite a trend. So I think where you see that a person can really make room for someone else is not kindness, it's empathy. Now, kindness brings happiness if it's true kindness, and kindness is, is a value, and kindness is, is about going out, your, out yourself, but it doesn't always mean that. Because kindness can, can be for fame, kindness can be to be seen as a good person, kindness can be with a lot of ulterior motives, right? Empathy is very different. Empathy means that you really can take someone close to you and you really are sensitive to their feelings. You notice them, you make room for them, 
You make room for them even when it doesn't quite gel with your interests or the way you're living. You notice a different point of view. You notice a pain or an emotional pain of someone else. You notice their needs. You notice something that they're going through. You ask them, you pick it up. Now, we've spoken about this before. Unfortunately, and this is in line with the trend of narcissistic behavior, there's also a separate study which tells us that particularly in the advancement of technology, um, empathy empathy levels have gone down. It's on the decline, yeah. It's on the decline because people don't notice what's going on around them. They're buried in their device all day and actually stop noticing. You've got to notice, right? But the concept of empathy means putting yourself, putting yourself in someone else's shoes, making room within yourself for something different. That's why, you know... The, being a spouse is much harder in a way than doing kindness. Now, they're both important and they're both critical and society can only function if we have both. And obviously, you know, Judaism puts a huge emphasis on chesed and chesed kindness. And I mean, it's one of the traits of a Jewish community. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we run binner. We rely on people's charitable uh, kindnesses. I certainly don't check... By the way, we have a raffle going on now if anyone wants to also, go to binna, b-i-n-a.com.au Slash raffle. That's right. Um, so, yes, 100%. And uh, I'm sure for the most part, people that give... You know, to have been a, it comes from a good place, but I don't question that if it comes to a good place. You know, I, I need, <laughs> That's right. I need the funds, <laughs> right? So, yeah. So, and yeah. it says that about charity in general. Yeah, yeah. A charity, you shouldn't start making yourself too holy. Like, you know, yeah. is it coming from a good place? Not a good place. Yeah, Just yeah. give the charity to the poor person. Look, unless it's really bad, like sometimes, they need to eat. sometimes it's manipulative, and that's not right. good. But, but if, yeah. but, yeah. But I mean, don't worry about the motives. Just do it. And, right. and action. It's a mitzvah. Yeah. But if you're talking about really growing and really going beyond yourself, and what you spoke about in terms of for is, is freeing yourself from yourself, empathy is a much better indicator. Yeah. And I, th- I think another point to that, as I was just thinking now, is sometimes kindness, especially in a very grand scale. So obviously you said there's ulterior motives, right? So there's like very clear ulterior motives. Someone does something for fame and they have photographers there and then, you know, whatever. But I think there's a more subtle form of an ulterior motive, which I think we're all guilty of. Uh, and not necessarily isn't necessarily even always, always a bad thing, but it makes us feel good, right? You feel good yeah. when you do something grand, which I think... Which is a good thing, I guess, that we feel good that we're doing. I mean, if that's what makes you feel good, it's better than bad things making you feel good, right? So, that's, so you're on the right track. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, when you do kindness for other people, and it's a one-off, and it's more, it's grander, there's a certain rush, like of, you know, sort of like a feeling good that comes yeah. with it. On a, a day-to-day basis, you're saying in the context of a spouse, to go out of your way, to be respectful, to, to pick up the shopping, to, you know... That doesn't make you feel as good because it, it, it's it's demanded from you every single day. It's not recognized by anyone else besides for your spouse. It, it's 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 very sort of mundane and day to day, and it doesn't really give you much. And I think that's what you're trying to say. In a way, you know, that's when you're really going out of your. Spouse. No, I think you're putting it really well. And I think what it, what it means is you can be kindness to someone who's who's disconnect, who's a bit distant from you. You do kindness; it can be a good thing, and maybe it's just even to feel good. But then you go back to yourself afterwards, and that's it. Correct. Empathy means like you're actually giving of yourself. It's much and harder. It, 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 it demands from you right. a lot more. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, if you want to talk about kindness as a mitzvah, but if you want to talk about learning how to become less self-absorbed, it's, it's, it's going out of your way and also giving of yourself. The empathy is a much better, uh, stronger tool in a way to start doing that. Yeah. All right. That sounds wonderful. So we can work on our, we can work on that in the next week. Let's work on our empathy. Have a wonderful week, everyone. All the Thank best you for listening. Thank you for listening to the JP Show. 
For questions, comments, and feedback, please email rabbig at bina, B-I-N-A, dot com, dot A-U. See you next time.